I'm Di Redmond and I'm your host for today's Songs in the Wilderness. In this programme, we listen to the songs that have influenced our guests throughout their life and have influenced their faith too. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Tim Burton from Norfolk and Cambridge, Lake Carmelite, country dweller and enthusiastic singer with a background in educational publishing. Tim, it's lovely to have you on the programme. Good morning. Good morning, Di. It's nice to be here. Nice to be here with you. Let's start at the beginning. You were born in Halifax, Yorkshire, and then your family moved to Shropshire, where you grew up in a, I quote, deeply Anglo-Catholic atmosphere. What was that like for you, Tim? Well, it, it was wonderful in many ways. Um, I was baptised at the Church of St Paul, King Cross in Halifax. Then we moved to Shropshire, where my father was a probation officer. He moved for job reasons. And I went to an amazing Victorian church. In fact, it was a Victorian experience, really. A Victorian church called All Saints in Shrewsbury. I, I, it's very nice that both those churches I mentioned are still thriving church communities. Good. Um, carry on. Good. I'm glad to hear that they're thriving communities still. Yeah, and, uh, and in some ways not very much changed, but the atmosphere was a, a, a one of a deep Anglo-Catholic piety, which I, for many years, thought was typically, typically Church of England. I, nobody ever told me that this was so such a strange corner of the Anglican Church. But I was exposed to lots and lots of music, beautiful liturgy, on a very small scale, I might add. Um, I've got a lovely photograph of myself standing outside the church as a boat boy in my little lace cotter when I was about seven years old. And that was mixed also because with my family's trips to the community of the resurrection in Murfield, my parents were, were members of the fraternity of the resurrection. Um, and there I got exposed to this wonderful plain chant on their, what they call their commemoration days once a year with big outdoor masses. And it left quite a big impression on me, even as a small child. And added to that, um, there was a sort of social commitment running through it. Um, mm. Great names like Trevor Huddleston, um, and my father was very involved in, a, in, in sort of Africa in a way. I can remember when I was a child, he had a sign outside the house saying, majority rule for Rhodesia. Um, <laughs> Good so, guy. I, so there was a sort of bit of an impact of the wider world in spite of me being stuck in this strange sort of pietistic bit of Shropshire. It's extraordinary. But then as a teenager, you enjoyed frequent stays with the Anglican Franciscans at their formation house in Worcester, Worcestershire. Um, that sounds intriguing. Tell me about those days and how you how you how do you manage to be there? Well, I think I ended up there um, partly because my father was worried I'd never get to university because I wasn't concentrating. <laughs> so he, he suggested, "Why don't you go to this little this little monastery I know of and sit there and and and, and bone up for your A levels?" And, uh, which is what I did. Um, but I found it a wonderful experience. It was a, it was a, it's a place called Glasshampton. It's still there as a formation house for the Anglican Franciscans. Um, it was uh, uh, the, the stables of a long gone country house converted into a monastery and I, I found there a great a great sense of silence mm. Um, mm. a great simplicity of life um, and also some early early sort of seeds of a, of a later faith development uh, it, it, amazingly it was with the Anglicans at Glasshampton that I um, I first it was I first heard the first heard the Salve Regina oh, really? and learned the Salve Regina in Latin mm -hmm. in an Anglican religious community that's something 
and the Grail Psalms they chanted. They actually used the Catholic um, translation of the Psalms. And I can remember lying in my little cell first thing in the morning, not wanting to get up, but hearing the, the Benedictus recited by the brothers, which is the very same translation that I, I still use now 50, 60 years later. <laughs> And how many years did that happen? Was it always a summer retreat? For uh, no, I, I ended up going about, well, I ended up later on as I went to university, I ended up going almost every vacation and got to know the brothers very well. I think a lot of them thought perhaps I, I, was, I had a sort of Franciscan vocation, but maybe I was a bit lazy. I just, I just loved the place and the countryside and never really thought further than that. It sounds like a complete retreat. I mean, a complete idyll of, you know, of... of, of a, a peace and and solitude it was and i and, and you know i think you can get, still go and stay there uh, well i used to go it was male only but i think it's a bit broader than that <laughs> they probably have uh, of women clergy celebrating in the chapel which would have would have made the uh, made the flesh creep of the original founder but i think they've come a long way and it's a wonderful place to go to so tim we're up to your very first piece can you introduce this and tell us why it's important to you it's a wonderful well, it's, piece it's jumping forward just a little bit, but it, 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 it's also jumping backwards because it's plain chant. It's attende domine, uh, hear us, good Lord, uh, hear us, O Lord. For, uh, it's sung in plain chant by the choir of All Saints, Margaret Street. Um, I think plain chant got into my bones from about the age of one, really. <laughs> and, and, and this choir does sing that chant very well. It's, it's a very serious Lent chant. Um, which I have still and very recently sung here in Norfolk, actually. I've had the great privilege to sing it myself, um, having heard it for so many years. Lovely. Let's hear it.
Domine, sung by the choir of All Saints, Margaret Street, which leads me very nicely into you studying for a degree in philosophy at London University. That's right. Where I think you immediately gravitated to All Saints Church, which you've already mentioned. Were you drawn there because of the church's rich musical tradition? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it had then and continues to have a fabulous musical tradition and also a very fine liturgy. Uh, I was able to serve, uh, I was an altar server there for a short time and, and um, listened to the music um, at, at very close quarters. It sounds like you managed to successfully combine your faith and your degree. Um, did the two grow together or did one follow the other or, or did it all pop out of all that time that you spent in retreats and formative years? I think my faith continued through my university years. I was really, uh, I was really besotted with philosophy. I, I, ne I never thought there would be a contradiction between philosophy and faith, uh, which I think is probably a very Catholic thing to say. But I, I met Christians at university who thought that my faith would be destroyed by 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 by, anal by analysing it too much. But in my view, the philosophy, it's, it's grist to the mill of faith. I mean, I met my, my main tutor was a, a very committed Catholic. Um, I listened to lectures by the father, by the, by the distinguished uh, Jesuit, Father Copleston. Um, so I was aware that, that certainly Catholicism and philosophy uh, were, were very close neighbours. But I just wonder how you've managed to circumnavigate all the, the rigours of philosophical training and the practices of the church. I mean, weren't you actually taken to task all the time by your fellow students? Or did you just <laughs> overcome that? Well, I was taken to task by, by one lecturer who produced Humili Vitae and said it, it was, he was going to use it in his logic logic class as an, exa as an example of bad logic. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure he was entirely synthesising faith and reason when he said that. But yes, but, it, but generally not, no. Um, as I say, quite a few of my philosophy tutors were practising Catholics. Um, and, and what I would say is um, both philosophy and faith begin with the experience of wonder. Mm -hmm. um, Wittgenstein, I think, talked about philosophy beginning with wonder. Mm -hmm. So that's the common thread in a way. Um, it, it's looking at the world and, and finding it mysterious, uh, as both faith and philosophy do. And you, you, you must know where um, I've visited Wittgenstein's grave up on Huntingdon Road. Oh yes, it's quite, it's quite something, isn't it? I didn't know it was there. No, but I, I do. I do still occasionally read Wittgenstein, and, and I always come away feeling a feeling a better person for it. <laughs> Yes, he's amazing. So you're, did you still combine your summer vacations with religious experiences? I did, and I think this is when I started to broaden away from, from my sort of traditionalist Church of England um, at, attitudes. I, I, I went on summer vacations to Teze, oh, uh, where I heard, heard their wonderful music. I also stayed at a Benedictine monastery in France, which had really embraced uh, the Vatican II reforms and in its music. So there was lots of exciting modern music there. So I started to look beyond beyond the traditional plain chant and uh, and classical music and realised that faith could be expressed in in very contemporary ways. It sounds like the most amazing, rich 
powerful time of your life. Well, I think I think universities for so many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was very lucky to be able to go abroad quite a lot. My philosophy tutor had a house in Italy, um, and in, and invited a group of us down there to study Italian art and philosophy over the summer vacation. So that was another really really powerful experience. Well, there's an offer you can't refuse. Where was it? <laughs> Just by the way. Oh, a place called Montagnana in, Ven- in the Veneto, which I've, I've been back yes. to. And in fact, that part of Italy is my favourite part with the its Veneto, lovely classical yeah. buildings, just inland from Venice, mm. yes. What? Oh, fabulous. Right, let, I must stop talking about Venice. I could talk about it all day long. <laughs> um, we're on to your second piece. Um, can you introduce that? Yes. Uh, again, it's slightly jumping forward, but also also going back because it's the um, it's it's the words of um, well attributed to Saint Teresa, um, Christ has no body now but yours. It's talking about how really it's over to us to do God's will on earth. Um, and it was a and it was at university that I first heard of Teresa of Avila. Um, first heard somebody mention the Carmelites. Um, it's music I, I, I can still go back to and, and, get a, and get a real thrill from, and it reminds me of the fundamentals of faith. That's impressive. Let's hear it.
That was Christ Has No Body Now But Yours by David Ogden. Our music choices this morning have been chosen by my guest, Tim Burton, formerly from Cambridge, now living lucky man in Norfolk. So, Tim, after graduating from London University, you married Sue, who shares your love of music. What did you do then? Did you stay in London or move on? No. Um, well, I, yeah, I had a great time in London and, and stayed on there for a while, commuting out to Harlow to work. So I was a reverse commuter. But oh, yeah. uh, we started to think about having a family and felt that uh, it would probably be better to get out of London and, and start a family in, in, in somewhere more rural. Um, I got a job at the um, National Extension College in Cambridge, which was able to sort of hoik me out of the out of the capital, although I did like London and still do like it. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we moved to Cambridge. And I and I um I, I continue my Christian life there in a very different setting to the sort of um, melting pot of London life. But before we move on to that, the, um, let's not um, rush by the National Extension College because it's a fantastic institution. Tell us well, about, tell us about your work there because it's I mean it gives people a second chance, doesn't it? It's a great institution. Mm. It was started by Michael Young, who formed the started the Consumers Association too. It was a prototype for the Open University, a successful one, but it was for people wanting to do O levels and A levels who had missed out the first time round um, by correspondence. And I became a sort of expert in um, uh, self study materials to help people learn uh, at a distance. And by the way. <laughs> I was I was last on the radio in connection with the National Extension College many years ago when we produced, believe it or not, a distance learning course, self study course in zoo animal management, <laughs> and I had I had to explain how this could be done without danger to life on on the radio. <laughs> it sounds like physical impossibility, not to mention you know just a transmitting problem oh we did all sorts i even got i even got called down to london by michael young once who wanted to do a, a self-study course for undertakers <laughs> and again you begin to wonder how that was possible i, I don't they think that's ever happened <laughs> they probably need all the help they can get but the, the, the national extension college i will stop talking about it but i do have great respect for it and it's moved here there and everywhere around cambridge and it's survived many a hit financially but it's resurrected it's it's up and running again, isn't it? It's astonishingly resilient, actually, and it's managed to re reinvent itself for the electronic age. Mm -hmm. I mean, I work with piles and piles of books and papers and a vast warehouse full of, of ring binders. I think that's all gone now and so much more is. And in fact, it's a lot easier to study at home now with, with the help of electronic uh, media. Yeah, it is indeed. So here we are in Cambridge. You've left London, not a bad swap. And um, and you and both, both you and Sue... Uh, started attending the beautiful church of Little St. Mary's. Is that right? We did. We did. We were looking for um, a sort of Anglo-Catholic experience still, I suppose, although Sue, um, her background, she went to a Quaker school. Oh, um, right. So she and, and <laughs> so that, that was quite a change for her. But she got she 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 got involved in the Church of England, particularly because of her beautiful liturgy at Little St. Mary's, mm -hmm. although we started started the journey in London. Um, it, it was uh, going together to Little St. Mary's and having our children baptized there was was a wonderful experience. It's the most beautiful church church oh, and, and, and so still beautiful. is it's it's I, I love just going in but just for the light 
Yes, yes, yes. It, it's it's a beautiful white whitewashed church with a lovely garden at the back. Um, always worth calling in on if you're in Cambridge. Um, and 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 I think really um, it, it it was the beauty of it that that really attracted me. In some ways, it was a little bit like going back. Um, in fact, it was a little bit like going back on my faith journey in order to sort of pick up the threads and move on. Um, I always I always feel that that life is not necessarily a straight line. It's a bit more like a Celtic cross, weaving about and going backwards and forwards, and uh, and something of that at Little St Mary's really. And also, you were doing this journey with a family, which is very different from being in isolation in a Franciscan retreat. Oh yes, uh, yes, it was. It, it, we we had to somehow move together, and uh, not necessarily at the same pace, really. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yes, it took it took quite a while to actually sort of um, what's the word find a direction again. And simultaneously, you were being drawn to the wider horizon of the Catholic Church. That must well, have that's... been quite a challenge with everything going on. Well, it was, but in a in a way, you see, I I I'd, I'd sort of been misled by the Church of England. I thought this Anglo-Catholic tradition was 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 cent- centre stage Church of England, and and you, you, unbelievably, I, it only gradually dawned on me that that this was one rather interesting, but not necessarily um, um, roomy corner of the wider Christian Church. Um, all the experiences I'd had in the past of going abroad and being exposed to so much one, so much wonderful Christianity made me feel that I wanted to be part of that wider church um, rather than perhaps the slightly confined feel that I felt. Not everybody does, I felt in the Church of England. Mm, that's interesting. I, I mean, because Little St Mary's is so high, high Anglican. It's high, but it's also very traditional. Yes, um, and I think my, 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 my earlier experiences had started to draw me out from that traditional yes. atmosphere into into what I could, I mean, broadly say, modern Catholicism, Vatican, mm. post-Vatican II Catholicism, which I found really exciting. Oh, it's, it's so exciting. <laughs> so exciting. And it must stay that way too. Now, yes. we're at the point where I actually should introduce, I've only picked the hardest of all your choices to introduce. It's um, a piece called, I think, Anne Tesari, which is, is it a Tese piece? No, it's not. Um, oh, right. But it's also part of that international outlook. It's actually sung by the monks of Glenstall Abbey, which out of all the places on earth, really, is the place I feel the most, most, most identification with. I'll just tell you in passing, this is an Irish folk song sung by the monks. Um, when I eventually joined the Catholic Church, I realised that my grandfather had been Irish and somewhere buried in his belongings was a set of rosary beads. So I've, I, somewhere in my, my genes, I've got, a, I've got an Irish strand, an Irish Catholicism strand, and Glenstall is, is a beautiful Benedictine monastery in Southern Ireland with the most wonderful mix of plain chant and modern chant and Irish music. I can't wait to hear this. Thank no. you.
That was wonderful, Tim. So beautiful. And Tesserieri from the collection Vox de Nubi uh, by the monks of Glenstall. How did yes. you Sorry, find Di, it? Can I just can I just interrupt and say uh, some of the listeners may be wondering what the female monk singing was. Well, it's it's Noreen Noreen. Uh, oh, was, right. And I think probably still is singing. She must be getting on now. But she had a close association with the monks and, and collaborated on lots of singing with them. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, lovely acoustic, actually. Yeah. It's, um, I say, I, I, anybody who's in Ireland, make for Glenstall and, uh, and experience the liturgy there. It's wonderful. Where is Glenstall? It's just outside Limerick. Oh, right. But you have to be careful not to go too close to Limerick. I, I, it's, I, you know, the Irish call it Stab City. Oh, it's right. not a place... I hope there's nobody from Limerick listening, actually. It used to have a bit of a place of being rather rough. Uh, Glenstall's out in, the, out in the most beautiful countryside beyond, uh, beyond Limerick. Well, it's a wonderful song. So now we're up to a fairly significant point in your life where you, uh, in 1989, were received into the Catholic Church with Sue, your wife, at Our Lady and the English Martyrs in Cambridge. Yes. I, that must have been quite a momentous time. Or did it feel sort of totally right and organically? You it there? felt right. It felt absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I felt I was following my heart perhaps as much as my head. Um, but on the other hand, I was in such, I was such a weird background, having having assumed wrongly because of my Anglo-Catholicism that I really had been a Catholic all those years. <laughs> so I, when people say, "Did you convert?" I say, "Well, well, sort of. I, in a way, it was just making an honest Catholic of me, regularizing what I'd always believed uh, in many ways." But on, on the other hand, um, being able to participate in, in, the, in the wider Catholic Church was a, was a massive, uh, massive, almost feeling of relief. Um, you, you've used this word several times now, the wider Catholic Church. I think oh, yes. it's something that I take for granted. Can you define it? Because I, I find it an interesting word. Yes, I have to be careful here because. Oh, okay. Um, oh no, no, no! I mean, it is the Catholic. From my my view now, the the, the Roman Catholic Church is the Catholic Church. Um, I, the authenticity of other Christian uh, communities, I don't doubt at all. But for me, the Church is the Catholic Church. Um, so when I say the wider Catholic Church, I, I suppose I mean I don't know the wider the, the Catholic Church. Uh, worldwide, mm -hmm. um, it's, mm. it's a. I'm not a very. I'm not a theologian, Di. So I have to. I have to stop there. I think. Okay, but you're a philosopher. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> I do my best. Well, I don't know about philosopher. I studied philosophy um, to some extent as a as a long distance lorry driver once said when I was hitchhiking as a student. We're all philosophers, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they are particularly. Yes. So yeah. what about this um, singing at Olam without any previous musical training? Well, was that, was, I, was that with the the choir at um, the six thirty mass? Or no, we didn't. We we didn't have a, a choir really at that time. Oh, it was I think it was the ten forty five mass. Oh, I was really thrown in at the deep end. Um, there were one or two people acting as cantors uh, who also didn't have a lot of training, but um, I I I just jumped up there and and did my best. I, I look back now and think, well. I, I didn't know how to breathe, for example. That's an absolutely critical part of being a cantor. It's controlling breathing, um, and it's only subsequently I've realised what a what a what a bit of a jumble I was making of it all. But the music was lovely. That was the main thing. I was I was able to sing some 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 wonderful psalm settings. And th that wasn't the Latin mass. It was a it, 
No, it was English maths. It was it was a ten forty five, and and that amazing feeling of of maths starting and me going in to sing and knowing that it's a bit like this interview or or a theatre. Mm. It's where you know you're a part of a process yes. that yes. has its own momentum, and you've just got to participate in it. Come what may. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were very brave, uh, but on the other hand, th- there's a lot of um, spontaneity to to church singing as well. Because if we were all I once went for an interview and they said, if you can't sing, if, um, if you can't read Latin, um, then don't bother. Um, and I, oh. Which, you know, uh, which is fair enough for that particular choir. But I don't, I, I, with Olem, you, you always have this feeling um, that, that there was, you know, a welcome for anybody who tried, who was interested. Oh, absolutely, yes. It, it must have been the, the start of many people's sort of musical journey, really, in that way. Um, and we had the wonderful Tony Rogers, who was, uh, Father Tony Rogers, who was very supportive of music, Absolutely. Of I mean, he, he, and he embodied that whole thing of, well, suck it and see, you know. That's right, yes. And, and, and if I can say, that with a small C, a very Catholic approach to music, from anything mm. from plain chant to much more contemporary, yeah. which is the wonderful thing about OLM. It really covers all bases in terms of musical traditions. Exactly. Yeah, it does. So amongst all these things happening in your life, lucky you, you decide, OK, we're going to move to Norfolk now. Uh, yes, that was quite quite a quite a pull, actually, uh, Norfolk, because I was uh, by that time getting interested in the Carmelites and Walsingham. And also, um, in a way, wanting to get away from the congestion. I mean, I mustn't offend people living in Cambridge now, but the growing congestion around Cambridge. Mm. I was living in a village outside Cambridge, which was just getting busier and busier. They put a, they put a massive streetlight outside my bedroom window, which was in some ways, a, it sounds odd, doesn't it? But a sort of catalyst for, for wanting to get away to somewhere quieter and darker. I, and I now live in a, in a tiny village in the middle of nowhere, which is, uh, I wouldn't say it's peaceful because we have a lot of farm traffic, but it, it doesn't have the commuters rushing through every every day, which I found in, near Cambridge. Oh, yeah, for sure. But do, did you settle into it in a blink or did it take time? Because Norfolk's a different pace and I love it for that, you know, for one of those reasons alone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily what I expected, really. Um, it's a very ordinary place I live in, with, with, uh, without many second homes. Um, one of my neighbours moved here and complained it was too noisy and didn't want to stay. Um, because it's it's so much uh, un, under the uh, uh, under the management of farmers mm. and and uh, you know, there's always there's always a lot of lot of agriculture going on, but at the same time it's got a wonderful sense of community, um, uh, which is I think something I've really discovered um, as I as I've gone on in my faith how important it is to be rooted in some sort of community yes. um, both a church community and a village community and to some extent a religious community um, because I've now got involved with the Carmelites Well you've got it all there, you're a lay Carmelite and you've got strong links to Walsingham and Quidnham and you work at St Anthony of Padova Church in Fakenham and, you're, well, and you sing on uh, with the Choral Society I mean you're you're well established We've got plenty going on, yes, but it, it does take time. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I, I think sometimes people expect everything to be sort of up and ready when they get into a village, but uh, you've got to. It, it's a it's a good five or six years before it feels like that. But yes, lots going on, um, and and lots going on. Even even I mean, the proximity of Norwich is an enormous mm. boon for people living in Norfolk. There's so much going on there. Um, we were a bit worried it would be a bit of a sort of cultural desert after Cambridge, but not at all. There's so much musical activity and. and Norwich is such a wonderful place to visit. And 
Talking of music, we're up to your final choice, a wonderful choice, William Vaughan Williams' Oboe Concerto. Why is this the you know your final piece and why oh is it well so it's what i said about yeah what i said about norwich I, I first heard that after moving up here um i've always loved vaughan williams britain symphonia plays in norwich nick daniels is this wonderful oboist so I, I heard this piece of music and it took me it, everything in my life came together really the, the, because it has a wonderful rural feel to it as well so it goes right back to shropshire and my childhood in a way listening to this beautiful beautiful oboe music That was Vaughan Williams' opening music, opening movement of the oboe concerto played by Nicholas Daniels with the Britain Symphonia. Tim, Tim Burton, thank you for your wonderful music choices and for sharing your fabulous memories, very evocative, um, with us here today at Radio Maria. And yeah, well, luck. thanks for asking me on. Thanks well, for asking me on. It's been a pleasure talking to it's you. It's been a complete pleasure and good luck with all of your many future projects. Yeah, I'm sure there's more to come. I hope there's more to come in Norfolk. Yes, thank well, you. I'll come and check out um, Norfolk and you too soon, I hope. Yeah. Okay, good morning. Okay, thank you. bye. Bye, bye, Tim. bye. Thank you, everybody, all our listeners, for joining us today for Songs in the Wilderness. Goodbye for now. <laughs>